when you're an asshole, you pay certain taxes you don't actually realize because your enemies do things, especially even if, especially you're a powerful one, people will do things behind your back. They will lie in wait so that once uh, – so what happens is that their enemies lie in wait. When there's a weakness, they get – everybody jumps on to push them off who was sort of on the sidelines and, ha- and was harboring all these resentments. Friction is a huge psychological burden. Without friction, we would not have fire and we would not have sparks. I got to get a knife. <laughs> I got to hide it. They end up spending a lot of time ruminating. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bob Sutton, and I'm an organizational psychologist and professor in Stanford's Department of Management Science and Engineering, and this is the Friction Podcast. Today we have a special treat. My producer, Rachel Jelkowski, is going to join me in the studio. Rachel is our talented and persistent director of marketing and editorial here at the Stanford Technology Ventures Program. Rachel and I are going to talk about workplace assholes and especially petty tyrants. A lot of the ideas in today's podcasts come from my forthcoming book, The Asshole Survival Guide, which will be published in September. Thanks for giving me permission to hijack your podcast, Bob. So basically, I'm here to grill you and be the voice potentially of our audience here. I've been a middle manager in a number of universities, in corporations, in nonprofits, and I could honestly use your help. First, I just want to start off and be like, how on earth did you become the expert on asshole bosses? Uh, For about a decade, I would get an email at least once a day. I I sent you some of these people asking me for help, and I, I, I... I don't claim to be the world's expert in this. I just got in the middle of it, sort of. Uh, And they were all the same question, which was, help. Uh, I'm stuck with an asshole or a bunch of them. What do I do? And and to give you the range, everything from uh, a CEO who talked about board holes or douche boards he was dealing with to Costco worker who talked about how um, her supervisor was such an asshole that every day she would say to herself, uh, it's going to be better over the weekend, I won't have to go to work. I can identify behavior I think mm-hmm. is bad or behavior that I find toxic or mm-hmm. hard. But in the workplace, managing up, managing down, it's how do I identify this uh, behavior and then the tactic that will actually make it stop? Uh, that's the question that uh, I'm trying to address, not answer. Because to me, there are so many complexities that, that every asshole problem to me, it's the same. So you, you probably want a definition since you were in academia and everything of assholes. It, in some ways, they're all the same in terms of how they make us feel when, 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 when it's a problem. And they're all different in terms of what's required for us to cope with it. So to me, they're all the same. And people have different definitions, but the one that works for me is that, uh, is that uh, it's based on our response that when we feel demeaned, de-energized, disrespected – because that, that means it's kind of like messing with our mind. And, and, then the, and the, the evidence is that uh, when you start feeling it, that's when it affects your physical health. That's when it affects your mental health. That's when it affects your productivity, your creativity. All these bad things happen when you feel like the, the one or more people are kind of like messing with your life constantly. And then the other distinction I make, and this is actually really important, 
is uh, that, uh, well, two distinctions. One is temporary versus certified assholes, which is that uh, everybody I ever met in my life, and I certainly plead guilty, the end of this book actually talks about a situation where I was clearly an asshole. Ooh. We're all capable of being assholes under the wrong or right conditions, depending on how you put it. So I would say yes, and sometimes it's hard for all of us to control ourselves because when you're around people who are jerks, it, the evidence is incredibly contagious. So sometimes it's better. So yes, and you might want to walk out of the room if it's getting to you. <laughs> Just leave. Um, so in preparation for this, I've been thinking a lot about like almost like asshole identification asshole boss personality <laughs> identification is like this almost bbc nature special it's like <laughs> what are the subspecies of people who behave in this way yes like do they hang out at like the watering hole do you find them like flying between desks like what's their behavior what are their identifiers uh-huh. And which makes which makes it fun for me. Like it's like that's my tactic to laugh about it. Like let's be an anthropologist in this experience yes. of human yeah. psychosis. We have a colleague at Stanford who uh, I quote, his perspective is exactly what you said, and, and this is the old Freudian intellectualization, which is that you pretend that oh, isn't that a fascinating specimen, <laughs> rather than you asshole, I'm going to kill you. I mean, which is it's a much more healthy response to just to just you know sort of view yourself as a detached scientist and, and feel sorry for that poor devil who is just so defective or something. And you then know? you tap into like a tiny sliver of empathy, and maybe there's some hope yeah, oh, that you oh, won't become good. an asshole. Oh, that's, that's, oh, I love that. I love the tiny sliver of empathy. <laughs> So you were kind enough to share with me some some general writings you'd done about, you know, maybe like categories, like the subspecies. What was really interesting to me in our kind of prep conversations to this was this specific subspecies of the petty tyrant. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell, like, what is the petty tyrant? Like, that's such a vivid word. Um, the reason the petty tyrant, I think, is especially relevant is that we're interested in people who cause dysfunctional friction, frustration. Um, and fatigue in organizations, that's sort of what our interest is. And to me, petty tyrants are kind of the top of the list. And, and what there is, is – and there's a, there's, there's a bunch of literature sort of swirling around this, research literature swirling around this. And essentially the thing that's coming out – and we should talk about some of the academic research and then get into some of the more fun parts too uh, – is, is this notion where people have um, a moderate to a lot of power over some important little thing. But they feel disrespected. So when that happens, they they get frustrated and, and, and they feel disrespected and they want to take it out on other people. I think we can all generally associate with yeah. that. But like, let's give some stereotypes. Like this makes me think of like the person I need to check in with at the DMV to get right. my license reviewed. Like they, they control my day fully. Um, but not necessarily. They don't necessarily have a high power kind of yeah, and, um, it, job. And, and, and th- that's actually kind of interesting. There's this guy uh, Nathaniel Fast, Nate Fast. Uh, he's, he was a Stanford PhD student um, and is now, uh, uh, I think, he's a tenured professor at University of Southern California. And he's done a number of studies of essentially petty tyrants. And, and one, I want to make sure I get this right. Essentially, he assigns uh, students to two different conditions. In one condition, you're told that um, that that you are a worker and you're sort of doing um, petty, not petty, uh, small sort of trivial work and you're not very respected. 
And then the other um, condition, you're told you're an idea generator. I love that. The worker versus the idea generator. And you're really well-respected and really admired. And then you're kind of asked by the experimenter, okay, so kind of independently of this, that uh, somebody's going to enter a lottery for $50. What do they need to do to be eligible for the lottery? And it's there's range of things from things that are completely humiliating to things that are nothing. So things that are nothing are just kind of telling a joke. And things that are humiliating are things like barking like a dog. And, uh, and, and if you go down the list of the people who are put in this sort of you know, low status, but they have power over somebody's fate, they tend to do you more humili- humiliating things to people. And then if you start going to the research on petty tyrants, there's all sorts of evidence. Even Nate and his colleagues have some newer research that shows they have people write layoff notices and they kind of put them in the, the high power, high status, high power um, low status conditions, and the people who are high power and low status write nasty, demeaning layoff notices. So something there's something in us as human beings, and, and, and in all those cases, what you're doing, if you go back, you're, you're making it more difficult for people to do simple things. Um, when there's loaded things, you're making it more emotionally complicated and difficult for them, and you're spreading fear and frustration throughout the organization. Well, and some of what you wrote was this idea of like some people aren't aware and they feel bad when they're told, but you also kind of had had laid out this tactic of show them how it hurts them to behave this way, even right. if even if they don't really care about being appropriate, tell them how it's going to well, hurt well, their bottom line. Well, that's interesting. So this was one of the we talked about my wife, who was managing partner of a large law firm, and she talked about how there was two kinds of um, assholes. There was the, the strategic and the clueless. And, and so the clueless assholes were the ones who didn't realize that they just left a trail of people that they'd yell at or, I mean, you know, one of my favorite ones was uh, the uh, the two attorneys who in front of the poor legal secretary who, I don't know, was making 50 grand a year and they're making a million apiece. And they were just having a long conversation about the new Mercedes that they had, the new Mercedes they had both just bought. This is not a very sensitive thing to do. But... But so that's the clueless ones. But but the strategic ones are the ones who treat others like dirt because um, they think that that's going to help them get ahead. And when you're a lawyer, by the way, sometimes treating the opposition like dirt does work. So there is times when uh, when being an asshole, if it's your asshole you're paying to defend you, it's like it's kind of a good thing. An offensive tactic. An, an offensive tactic. But uh, but so, but I mean, and, and literally creating a situation where you say to them, "This isn't helping you." And if you keep treating people this way, we're going to withhold 25% of your bonus at the end of the year. She said that um, – yeah, she didn't use that exact number, but she said if you gave them the hint that it was costing them money, she said there were some people who just – they were just playing the game. Oh, so that's the game? So so being a, an emotionally skilled asshole, they're both the most dangerous. Um, and in some ways, they're the easiest ones to – because they, they just want to win. They want to win the game. So a lot of it has to do with, a new goal with, with, with the game you set up. And, and there was a, an old saying that used to be at Google in the early days, and I don't know Google so much now. Uh, and I first heard this from Shona Brown, who uh, Kathy Eisenhart's student who went on to be number four at uh, – Google. Um, and uh, anyhow, that's so, one of our faculty directors here at what, SDVP. Oh, yes, one of our faculty directors. And Shona said to me, and she's one of the key people who 
she got there pre-IPO and was there uh, uh, 10 years as number four, the highest-ranking non-product person. And she, her line was, uh, at Google, it's not efficient to be an asshole. How do you address the behavior, both as kind of like an, an individual, maybe colleague or manager oh. and as an organization? Because I think what's so tricky about this is what's the threshold where something becomes offensive, especially if it's rule abiding. Well, well, to me, that's really interesting because to me, there's sort of a sliding scale. So I would start at the top, and, and I write about this some in the Asshole Survival Guide. Uh, at the top, there's the people who actually are petty tyrants, and they not only follow the rules. They're, and I've been implying this, they're individuals who dress up like organizations, and mm-hmm. uh, and, they, and they apply rules that actually don't exist, or always interpret them in the most draconian ways to make other people's life difficult. To me, that's actually a performance problem, and and that's somebody who, if you have any influence over them, uh, as a, a colleague, as a peer, that, that 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 actually is a performance management problem. Uh, then if you've just got somebody who's just a little bit too rigid to me, to the extent that you can do something like create a world where they have, you have some empathy for them, it's useful. Um, and then, um, and then there's people who maybe don't follow the rules enough. And, uh, and, you know, it's some of the work that Katie DeSalis I'm talking about is doing, uh, some people and she'd have all these examples of, uh, of people who would sort of like yell at you just for taking, I don't know, one potato chip too much or something like that. That's not your share. But then she'll talk about somebody who's just a complete slob who never enter empties his, his or her garbage can who steals food, who, <laughs> I mean, just is like a pig and is like loud in the office and, and nobody ever sort of, uh, gets that their bad behavior to be tamped down so it is a line to walk but um and then the other thing that 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 i would uh, say that also works with folks like this and i actually have an example in the book of this is that uh, the core problem uh into personality aside for people who are petty tyrants who are rule nazis if you if you look at the research is it is that they don't feel as if other people respect them enough so doing things so that they feel more respected is really important. And so, so the example, actually, my uh, daughter was working as a hostess in a tequila bar in Boston, and there was a cook who just snapped at everybody, who made everything difficult, was always yelling at, uh, at uh, the food servers. It was just like – and so my daughter decided that I was just – she was just going to love him to death. She would tell him <laughs> how great his food was. She'd give him compliments about how fast he works. And she said, eventually, I warmed out, and he started smiling at me and even gave me free food. And to me, that's, that's kind of what, – what, and, and, and I quote more or less in the book that he was just a guy who needed a little bit of love. And and so 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 to me, there, there, there's some people who are so toxic to the organization that uh, they need to be even removed. Uh, certainly, get the the feedback that uh, that they're going they're, they're overstepping their bounds, they're causing damage. But but I like my I call this love bombing. I like my daughter Claire's uh, response. And she and by the way, she's a much better person than I am. I would never be able to bring but myself. It takes to a do- lot of self control. I mean, this is like the Michelle Obama: when they go low, you go high. So I'm going to pull out your magic wand question that you ask all the guests. What's one thing uh, organizations should stop doing? Oh, in terms of, of um, friction and assholes, what, 
what I guess that um, organizations would should stop doing is is that when you get people who are viewed as competent but nasty, we give them too much slack and too much rope. And it's so it can be a rainmaker in a professional service firm. It can be a famous researcher at a place like Stanford. It's that the people who are viewed as stars and jerks. And and to me, what I wish would happen is that um, to me, treating people with respect um, should be um, not separate than competence. It is another measure of competence. So, so, so if, if I you know had a magic wand and could end sort of or, or fight asshole problems, but but it's really tempting when you've got somebody you think of like a law firm, you've got a rainmaker who's bringing in millions of dollars a year and treats everybody like dirt. Boy, you know, if 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 we drive him, usually it's a him. There are some women who do that, but it's more often men than um, than women. If we drive him out, then uh, we're going to be in trouble financially, and we're all going to suffer. So it's it, it, it's tough. So what what should I as as like an employee in an organization start doing? You should start being quicker to start thinking of ways in which uh, you're. Uh, Contributing to the incivility around you unintentionally by ignoring people, uh, by interrupting them, by in other ways treating them badly. And especially the more power you have, the more likely you are to do that without even realizing it. Um, And then the other thing I would encourage you to stop doing or at least to do less, and this is the other part of it, to be more slow to label other people as jerks, even though we're talking about jerks or assholes or tyrants that um, that um, a lot of times when that happened, it might be because we're thin-skinned. It might be because of something we're doing to, um, to annoy them. Or the other thing is, um, if we're just meeting somebody for the first time, they, they might be sleep-deprived. They might have had a bad time at home with their, their boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse, kids, or whatever. Uh, there's all sorts of things that uh, make us a little bit um, more grouchy. So to give other people a little bit of slack and understanding. There's actually some good national surveys of workplace bullying, and, and they'll ask people about extended bullying, where they felt, felt like they've been under siege for uh, extended periods of time. And it's something like 35% of Americans report experiencing that at least at one point during their career. And it's something like one half of 1% admit to doing it. And so that, those numbers don't add up. So So my... Uh, you know, if you're in a situation you feel like you're surrounded with assholes, uh, you might sort of take a look in the mirror. Because, and my main advice is to start be fast to label yourself as an asshole, and to be slow to label others. Um, my boss legitimately said this to me in the last two months, and I shared it with my nephew. So it's like across all uh, ages, uh, which is your reaction is your responsibility. And I think <laughs> that like gets to it where sometimes someone is acting like a jerk, but also that doesn't mean you have to define them that like that being a jerk is a noun as opposed to asshole being a descriptor or an adjective. That's a temporary state. So I would say yes. And sometimes it's hard for all of us to control ourselves because when you're around people who are jerks, the evidence is incredibly contagious. So sometimes it's better. So yes. And you might want to walk out of the room if it's getting to you. Just leave. (laughs) So Rachel, thank you so much. It's really fun to flip the tables and, uh, I haven't giggled this much in a while, so thanks so much. Thanks, Bob. Here's what I hope you will take away from this episode. All of us, or at least most of us, 
have to deal with assholes in the workplace, and they drive some of us crazy. That said, we should all be quick to assume that we are the jerks and slow to label others as such. Next week on the podcast, we've got Professor Melissa Valentine. She's a colleague of mine in the Department of Management Science and Engineering. Melissa is part data scientist and part anthropologist. We will discuss organizational dysfunction, especially her research on hospitals. Some of her insights might surprise you. Stay tuned for that. The Friction Podcast is a Stanford eCorner original series brought to you by the Stanford Technology Ventures Program and the Designing Organizational Change Project. Friction is produced by Eli Shell and Rachel Jilkowski. Michael Pena and Monica Yort are the outreach team. Danielle Stusi is our designer. Sarah Khan and Davor Sankovic provide web support. An extra special thank you to my producer, Rachel, who has been working very hard on the series and it was really fun to chat with her on today's episode. I had a blast. And now for the final tangent. Every team, every organization has its own little spirit. And, and to that point, and just since we are talking about workplace jerks now, uh, one thing that's really important to focus on is, is, and that's why I focus on how people make us feel rather than what the other person does, that, that every organization has such different standards about what is good versus bad behavior. And I, just to give you a really specific example, um, so uh, only once I was invited to uh, talk about the no asshole rule to people who uh, manage teams in the National Football League. And they looked really, really <laughs> bewildered. And, and I remember this guy going up to me and he said, so, you know, uh, so if, if one of my colleagues does a good play and I walk up to him and I call him a badass motherfucker and I slap him on the ass, that's just normal behavior. He said, I do that anywhere else in America. I get arrested. And I thought that was just a great line because the cultural standards about what is behavior that makes us feel good. If I did that to, we're walking these students, walking, if I walked out and did one of those right now, I, they'd have me out of here in 10 minutes, but that's just like normal behavior at the NFL. What do you think they said to the guy or the, or the gal, the person mm-hmm. who booked you for that talk after you left? No, I, I don't know. I don't, they didn't know what to make of them. <laughs> and I didn't know what to make of them. 